Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I feel like we should do the starting lineups for an NBA game now, right? With this music. <laughs> and now, the starting lineup for 560 WQAM 8 o'clock hour. A 5'9 shooting guard <laughs> from Syracuse, New York. 5'9. You're a little taller than that, right? 6'2. 6'2? Yeah. Oh. So. I, I was, I'm 5'9, you know? Okay. Well, there we go. Between the two of us, we got it covered. Hey, man, we have uh, got a big show tonight. We're only two hours, 8 to 10. We were following fight night. Good to see uh, Alex and the guys here in studio. But uh, Greg Likens here with you. Danny G, the sports bomber on the other side of the glass. And I don't know if our audience is tired of hearing about this, but it still amazes me every time I step into this building, into this studio, that we are actually <laughs> in this uh, reality, that we have a much vastly upgraded facility here uh, for our intercom stations. And what is really strange is that for, what, about a little over a year now, we've been talking about 560 and 790 now being sister stations, long-time kind of uh, enemies, so to speak, or competition. Uh, but uh, the Sports Bomber, Danny can uh, vouch for this. I mean, the 790 studios are literally – like, I can see them ahead of me. They're just behind Danny. And uh, it is just kind of a strange, strange thing that we're in the same building. And not just in the same building, because there's like seven radio stations that will eventually be here. But they are literally right next door to us, uh, which is uh, kind of funny. So uh, our friends and, – and for me, it's not that big of a deal because I go back and forth to the two stations. Like, I'm typically on during the week on QAM, and then on the weekends I'm on 790. So it's not a big deal for me. But, you know, for like the long-standing talk show hosts, like a Joe Rose in the morning, uh, like Hawk and Crowder in the afternoon, you know, being here at the same time as the quote-unquote competition for all those years, that's got to be a little weird. It gives me a little giggle that I just turned around right now and waved to Grant Skidmore. Yeah, Grant is here. We're going to have to go say hello to Grant. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty cool that uh, we've got uh, this everything up and running. And I heard in the update there, Danny's talking about scattered storms and that could not have been a better description because he and I are chatting before the show begins and it's sunny outside and a moment later it's downpouring, just absolute downpour that starts off. When I was driving in here, there was a beautiful rainbow and if I wasn't driving, I could have taken a, a decent picture of it, but uh, I thought I'd be safe instead of <laughs> trying to uh, document the evidence of a beautiful rainbow with the skyline of Miami in the background. It was kind of cool, uh, but uh, anyway, big, big week here in South Florida sports. As always, throughout tonight's show, we will be reading your text messages. Kendall Toyota, West Kendall Toyota text line, 560-22 if you want to join the program, 560-22. But today is July 24th, 2019. And why do I bring that up? Because we are exactly one month away from Miami versus Florida, week zero to kick off the college football season in Orlando. One month away from that. We are one day away from the kickoff of Dolphins training camp 2019, and we are two days away from the start of fall camp for the Miami Hurricanes. Man, football is officially here, and it's back, and I couldn't be more excited about it, right? You traditionally have the thought process that it's going to be a long summer, especially for diehard football fans. There's not as much going on. And that you got to get through the dog days of summer, so to speak, especially when it comes to sports talk radio. But, man, it, it hasn't felt that way. We've got a lot of different things to talk about, largely due to NBA free agency and all the storylines that have emanated from that. And, by the way, like the biggest story of NBA free agency ended up being the Kawhi Leonard-Paul George coup 
as the two of them now joining forces in Los Angeles with the Clippers. And those two were introduced today in a uh, press conference for the Los Angeles Clippers. So that is finally, I guess, been officially consummated as well. So uh, we, we are now into football season, and tomorrow it'll be official here in South Florida. And I can't wait. So we're a month away from the kickoff of the Miami versus Florida game. It, one day away from the kickoff of Dolphins training camp, two days away from the start of fall camp for the Miami Hurricanes. Some roster news from the Dolphins today. They announced they've waived linebacker Jerron Elliott and placed safety TJ McDonald on the active physically unable to perform list. So if you take a look from an injury perspective, you're going to have TJ McDonald, Dwayne Allen, Mike Hull, and Cordray Tankersley uh, all on that uh, active but physically unable to perform list. So uh, they're not a- eligible to practice, uh, but uh, that allows the Dolphins uh, to at least announce that beforehand. And the thing that surprised me was that Elliott move. Now, granted, this kind of shows you the state of the roster, especially at specific positions and how weak it is relative to other rosters across the league. But the Dolphins get rid of a guy in J. Ron Elliott who I- that surprised me because, you know, you take a look – at the numerous Alliance of American football players that were signed by the Miami Dolphins, there were eight of them. And you had two of them cut within the last two days. And we're talking about the last two days being the two days prior to the start of training camp. So those guys have been on the roster the entire offseason since the AAF folded, and they did not make it to the day, day one of training camp. And Elliott was one of the more well known players in the AAF in terms of what his NFL pedigree was, and he was considered the best pass rusher of the Alliance of American Football, and he doesn't even make it to training camp with the Dolphins. Um, I saw some folks speculating today on social media that the the issue there is that this new coaching staff led by Brian Flores and then Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator on that side of the ball, they are looking for versatile players who can play all along the offensive line or the offensive line, the defensive line and the front seven, and that they, they aren't interested in just singular pass rushers, right? They're not interested in guys that are just specialists, that they're just going to be in there to rush the passer. They want guys who are more well-rounded and versatile. And so if that's the case, then perhaps that's the reason why Elliott was let go. But uh, bottom line is this is one of these situations where I, that's not a good sign if you're Elliott because <laughs> it, if you didn't even get the opportunity – to start training camp with the Dolphins, considering the bare-bones roster they have from a pass-rushing standpoint, then uh, I don't know what that says about uh, what's going to happen, although I would assume he'll get picked up somewhere. But Dolphins training camp kicking off tomorrow, and what's interesting is you know, a lot of focus will be on the quarterback position, and rightfully so, and we're going to be talking all about that. Tomorrow night I'll be on from 6 to 10. Danny will be here with me. We're going to recap everything that happened during the first day of Dolphins practice, any of the storylines that emerged, any of the big talking points that came up. Uh, And certainly there will be an update on what happens with the quarterback position and who took first team reps and all that other stuff. Although I would not be shocked if Ryan Fitzpatrick takes those reps, at least for tomorrow, just so everybody is aware. But with that being said, you have the 54th training camp opening tomorrow for the Miami Dolphins. And you've got the first of 11 open practices scheduled in South Florida. You've got uh, a couple of practices that will take place in Tampa. You'll have like a joint practice session in Tampa, August 13th and 14th. You'll also have that scrimmage that will be held at Hard Rock Stadium. But, you know, I think that a lot of focus outside of the quarterback spot will be on Brian Flores, right? Think about Brian Flores as a brand-new head coach entering his rookie campaign. His era will officially get underway starting tomorrow and uh, you know reading Armando Salguero's column and his conversation with Brian Flores you know a couple of days he posted at least a couple of days prior to training camp starting I I thought it was interesting Flores you know we haven't seen him coach a game yet but so far he has been really consistent with his message and as Armando writes Flores will step into a job that has washed rinsed and repeated good men over the years He is Miami's sixth coach in the past decade, but there is no talk of that or concern of any kind from Flores in the hours before this training camp begins. If Flores does it right, and after a long conversation with him, it's hard to imagine he won't, the Dolphins will reflect their coach. That's one Flores goal for 2019. 
change the team's approach, and establish a culture. And if that happens, the Dolphins will earn your respect because Flores himself is worthy of respect. Quote from Flores, The identity of this team hopefully reflects what I see in myself. Smart, tough, disciplined, fearless. Those are the core traits I'd like to think I have, and hopefully the team will reflect those. End quote. As Armando writes, months ago, as the Dolphins used the offseason to seemingly build for future regular seasons, owner Stephen Ross talked of 2019 in sometimes grim terms. At one point, he hoped the team's record wouldn't be, quote, as bad as 3-13, and end quote. What does Flores say to that? Quote, I say what I've said since day one and in every conversation I've had with him, which is we're going to go out and try to win every game. That's the goal. That's the objective really every week. That's my thought. If you don't have that approach, then you'll never reach your goals. End quote from Brian Flores. I wanted to start there because I found this dynamic interesting during the offseason because for those who have listened and paid attention, you know, there has been this ebb and flow with the narrative surrounding the Dolphins since the season concluded and really even before they hired Brian Flores, right? Because, like, before they hired Brian Flores – we had to wait until after the Super Bowl for that to become a reality. There were already stories being printed locally and nationally. And when I say printed, maybe that sounds old-fashioned, but let's say uh, they were being posted online, <laughs> right? Uh, I know they're still printing newspapers, but generally speaking, they were, these were posted and written locally and nationally about the notion of the Dolphins tanking in the upcoming season. And so Brian Flores had to deal with that a little bit in his introductory press conference. But as the offseason has progressed, it's been pretty clear, at least with the public commentary from Brian Flores, that he's not going to stand for anything like that. Now, we could go back and forth about what he's going to stand for versus what the roster construction actually tells you. And so, you know, most people who aren't naive and aren't complete homers, if you, if you can take a step back for a moment, you can take a look and say, yeah, there are some major flaws in this roster. But with that being said, I love the way Brian Flores has approached this. And again, both him, say Manny Diaz with the Canes, we haven't seen him coach a game yet, but both of them, I think, have won the offseason to different degrees. With Flores in particular, since we're talking about him, I like that he has been steadfast in his commentary of, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play hard. You're going to respect the way we do it, and we're going to go out to win every single game. Now, we can all take a look at that and say, all right, coach, that sounds good, but let's see what actually happens on Sundays. And, yeah, that's the way it's going to go. But what do you want him to say? Do you want him to come, come already out front and say, yeah, let's throw in the towel for this season. We're building towards 2020 and 2021? No. like That's not the way to start off your career as a head coach on any level, let alone the National Football League. And so when Armando writes that Brian Flores – is going to establish a culture, hallelujah. Not just because it's culture, and again, that seems to be thrown out maybe too often these days, and perhaps we can come up with some different terminology, but that is the kind of the hot button word, right? We talk about culture. For every, every organization in sports, when we're discussing players leaving, coming, going, new coaches being hired, new general managers being hired, culture is brought up, that word. Heat culture is a huge word or phrase that we use constantly regarding that organization. And, you know, rightfully so. They've, they've established that and they've built it over the years. A lot of that has to do with their consistency. But so for as much as that can be a bit cliche at times, think about what we were discussing a year ago. A year ago, Adam Gase, Mike Tannenbaum – and I guess Chris Greer to a lesser extent, and I only say a lesser extent because he actually hung around. So I'm, I'm putting less blame on him for some of the things in the past because they bothered to keep him around. But Gase and Tannenbaum are gone. But remember last offseason, the narrative was, all, oh, wait, guys, you'll want to wait and see this because we are going to change the culture. This is going to be a different team. We're bringing in some veterans to help out in the locker room, like Danny Amendola and others. And, like, right, like that was the whole narrative that was spun, whether they said it publicly or whether it was leaked to the media or whether it was said behind closed doors. Like, the bottom line was we all heard that they were going to, quote unquote, change the culture. And at the time, I thought that was one of the most ridiculous things I'd ever heard. 
Not because, in theory, that sounds like a good idea, right? Because, yeah, like you could say that and it sounds terrific. But let me ask you this. If you work at any business, doesn't matter where it is, heck, even if you, you run your own company and you work for yourself, you don't establish the culture years into your tenure, right? Like, like hypothetically, if we had a, like a new boss here at the station, the moment he starts – his actions or her actions start to establish the way things are going to be run, the way the quote-unquote culture is going to take place at the, the job. Say if it's here at the radio station, say if it's anywhere else in any other walk of life or any other place of business. Their actions, their behavior, their messaging, their communication, all of that from the very beginning establishes what their tenure is going to be all about. And so for Adam Gase entering year three and Mike Tannenbaum entering year four with the Dolphins organization to say last year, oh, this is the time we're now going to change the culture. It's like that is one of the weakest Hail Mary efforts I've ever seen because the moment Adam Gase gets in the building as a new head coach or the moment Mike Tannenbaum is hired as the executive vice president of football operations, that is when you begin to establish your culture. And that is when you create a pattern of behavior or you set a standard for what the character of your team is going to be about and what you are going to be about as someone running the team or the organization. That's when you establish things. You don't do it entering year three because you do it entering year three like, anybody who's been around, and yes, there's a lot of roster turnover, but anybody who's been around, it's like, wait, wait, now we're just completely changing things? Why didn't you do this from the get-go? And I'm not saying you can't, you know, change your stripes, you, you can't evolve as a person, but at the end of the day, I, I think a lot of that falls on deaf ears considering that's just not how proper businesses are run. Proper businesses and great leaders come in immediately with their plan in place and they start to execute that plan. Maybe they, maybe it takes a while to get to the, the, the finished product of that plan, but they start planting the seeds and laying the groundwork for whatever the culture is going to be. In this case, that's what Brian Flores is setting out to do, and I applaud him for that. You know why? Because this is when you do it. And I'm thinking back to four, uh, past coaches the Dolphins have had. You know, Cam Cameron established his culture of – fail forward fast, <laughs> right? We kind of knew that that was going to be a disaster, we, right? Like, as that was taking place, everybody felt uncomfortable. To start that 2007 campaign, when in the preseason fourth game, he decided as, as a rookie head coach to let his assistants run the show, you're like, wait, wait, hold on a sec. This doesn't smell, this doesn't pass the smell test. This is just weird. And then, you know, Tony Sperano, I think that he actually did a really good job of establishing what he wanted the team to be about. And, yeah, you can criticize him for not having as many wins at the end of the day, but that first season, they win 11 games, they make it to the playoffs. I mean, that team had an identity. Whether you want to criticize the identity, that you know, that's your prerogative. But at least they, you knew what they were, you were going to get when you faced the Dolphins during that time. And, yeah, it didn't have lasting staying power, but – I thought he did a, a good job compared to some of his contemporaries who've had that job. And then Joe Philbin. I mean, we all saw it on Hard Knocks. He quote-unquote established his culture, and it was like micromanaging. It was picking apart the way guys tie their shoelaces. It was bringing in players who were supposed to be making up this leadership council and then not listening to what they had to say. Right? It's like not, not communicating directly like I, one of the most cringeworthy moments like people can bring up Devonte davis stuff and some of the other like really classic moments from hard knocks because that was especially for us locally that was like a classic version of hard knocks i don't know if everybody else appreciated it from other markets that don't care about the dolphins but for everybody who follows the dolphins there were so many different things that stood out from there that you know we could do a whole show on that but to me one of the most cringeworthy parts of that which told me everything i needed to know about joe philbin early on and obviously, like, nobody caught on early on from, like, upper management, like Stephen Ross, but was when he'd have whoever the player was in his office, he wouldn't look him in the eye. He'd be looking the other way. You get that camera angle, and the player's looking right at him, and he's, like, not giving him eye contact. He's trying to, quote-unquote, 
give some discipline or establish whatever he's doing, and he does it so weakly, like no with no force, and isn't even establishing eye contact, doesn't even have like the people skills to do that. I'm thinking to myself, this is supposed to be a leader of men? You got a bunch of you know guys who are showing up on Sunday, putting their bodies on the line every week, and this is the guy that they're going to go to bat for? Like this, this has disaster written all over it, and somehow it lasted nearly four seasons. It's like, have you ever, have you ever been in a meeting? Have you ever been in a meeting with like a boss or someone that you have, and you're legitimately like explaining to them what's going on, like on the ground floor, what they need to do, and it's he's just, and he's just not listening to a word you said. He's already made up his mind before you even walked in the door, like how this is gonna go that nothing you're going to say is of any relevance and what's going to happen on the way out the door. And right, like he's just – he has you there. And he has you there just, 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 to, just, give to, you lip, just to give you lip service. To just the fact to say that he had you there. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know what, and you know what, that's not a way to run a McDonald's, let alone, let alone a, 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 a multi-million dollar football franchise. I'm sorry. I'm with you. You, I, know, what my, you know what my cringeworthy moment from that whole thing was? What was it? Because there, were, I mean, there were a bunch. There but, were a bunch. Yeah. The moment I realized, I can tell you, the moment I realized we, we were in big trouble was that was when he was walking around, and he reminded me, I, 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 I love this man. I love my father so much, but my father's very, very picky about like all the little things. And he was walking when he was walking around the locker room, like like my dad picking up, like picking up like trash and going like picking up trash. And I'm just like, oh my god, this guy's this guy's worried about a piece of paper on the floor. Are you serious right now? Well, and then when you fast forward and realize, you know, for whatever you think, you know, now in hindsight of the Bullygate scandal, but he was so particular about all those things, yet he didn't realize that, you know, his offensive tackle was, was having all these issues, and right? It's like so many inconsistencies with all of that. But, you know, I, I saw Joe Philbin try to establish his culture, and he's not looking people in the eye. Like you're saying, Danny, that was a great way to describe it. Like, you're just giving lip service. You're just bringing players in to, to say that, oh, yeah, I talked to whoever, but you didn't actually listen to what they had to say. You weren't actually looking them, like, man-to-man in the eye and having a genuine conversation. All of that, I'm thinking, you know, this isn't going to go well. And so Adam Gase, you know, I had high hopes for Adam Gase. I, I have to admit, like, for as much as we've made fun of him, you know, now that he's gone and everything, he's with the Jets and he's got a weird beard all of a sudden. I see that pop up on social media today. Uh, but, like, Adam Gase, I had high hopes for him when he started because I thought that he was a breath of fresh air compared to what Joe Philbin had been. And, you know, I know Dan Campbell was there in between. But my point is this with Brian Flores is that I think right now he gets it. He establishes a culture right now. That's exactly the way you're supposed to do it. And I think it's going to be vitally important, especially on a team that we don't think is going to win a lot of games, that he does that. Because through it all, even though it could be a really long, difficult season for everybody involved, if they can keep that core of whatever this culture is going to be, the discipline, you know, hard work and the respect, everything that Brian Flores is about, that's going to be vital if you can maintain that during a tough season. Because then once you get to better times ahead – then if that's the core of what you're trying to do and it's been established, then that's the way to go. Don't try to do it on the fly. Don't do it two years in like Adam Gase tried to do. So I wanted to start there because I know we can go back and we can reflect back on all the bad things that have happened, but I think that Brian Flores, I, I just get a good vibe from him that he's going to start things the right way as the Dolphins head coach. I, that's not necessarily going to include a lot of wins, but it certainly is going to include him establishing a culture the right way and at the right time to begin his tenure with the Miami Dolphins. We're getting a bunch of texts rolling in here, 560-22 on the Kendall Toyota, West Kendall Toyota text line. We'll read some of those. Plus, as this 8 o'clock hour goes on, I do want to read you a couple of predictions from some national outlets on what the Dolphins' win total will be and compare that to the rest of the division. We'll have that coming up. Stay tuned here on QAM. Radio.com. So Greg, I just had a uh, I just had a new studio moment right now. 
Well, well, I thought you just opened up the dance club here. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we got to we got to look, we got to have good times we while do. we're here. Yes. So so what happened? New studio moment. So I'm standing here, you know, I'm over there. I'm over there cuz we have our little computer where we actually get to run. It's actually a really good setup cuz we can run on the show in the back computer while I can edit it over here at the computer over here at the front. So it's like it's a good setup. So I'm over there saving the back computer and I see a bolt of lightning. Literally just a straight streak bolt of lightning like and it's just so good to be able to see weather <laughs> from the room. Like even if it's something like cool, like a majestic bolt of lightning hitting downtown Miami. I'm with you. Like the fact that we have, uh, it, again, like people who are listening, we feel uh, fortunate to be working in sports talk radio and all this other stuff. And so we bring this up just kind of uh, out of you know our sense of humor and everything. But it is nice to have contact with the outside world, or so it feels, because you know the last. Whether you're in the QAM studio that you know of old, or even the 790 studio of old, it was even worse because that had no access. Like you'd have to walk well, outside yeah. the building to see what was going on outside. At least at QAM, you could walk down the hallway a little ways and see yeah. stuff. But we felt very insulated at both of those places. And here we have a terrific view outside here from the second floor. I mean, it's, it was like it was like the old studio was like doing the show from a bunker almost because you were just in your own world. Yeah, for three you know, or four hours, however long the show was, you were you were locked in that you were locked in that studio, or I or I'd be on the, on the other side of the side of the glass, locked in the prod room, and it was just us literally staring at each other, within a couple <laughs> arms length away from each other, just locked in this like in this world that we were just we were just doing the show, which but, which became scary at times because I feel like you know uh, depending on especially the time of day you were there, yeah, it did feel like there was only two people who were involved or. Maybe yeah. even like listening, or even or even if there was a lot of people, like even worse. I think I think I think many years ago, I think even you and I had like an incident when we were just like because we were just like, a lot of people like in a small area trying to do <laughs> That's something. True. So you know you you know it was just it was just it was just it was just a very different environment. But like here, it's like this like I look over here and it's like this Costco like warehouse type area with like all these desks and computers and everything is nice. And then over here is like. The world, <laughs> it's like you can you know, see what's going like, on. I feel like it's so open. So yeah, I know we're probably talking this to death, but man, it's just it's like a breath of fresh air. I like it, it really is. And what's cool, people who have heard me the, the the two times I've been on so far up to before today, in this new studio. Like I was here last Friday, and last Friday uh, it was a bit of an adventure because it was my first show in here and getting used to everything. But then I like during commercial breaks, you know, I take my headphones off. And I could hear like faintly music in the background, and I'm like, well, "What's going on?" And then I come to find out that there's like a rooftop setup here at this building. Oh, most definitely, yeah. And from like I guess like Wednesday through Saturday nights, they have live music up there. Yes, they do. It's and so I was here cool. Friday, and it was like it was a party. After the show, I went up there just to check it out, and it's like. This was a social gathering. I'm thinking, like, this is the complete opposite of where we, we used to work. Yeah, I, in that I, regard too. I, 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 I made, I made, I made the. I've been making the uh, the analogy that it's like we used to we used to work in like what could be called like the grimy neighborhood bar, and like now we're like upgraded to Blue Martini. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. Because like this is actually a place that people want to. I go. mean, it's dangerous. Let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves. There's a bar downstairs, and then there's like a, there's like a, there's like a dance club upstairs at night. Like this is this is we got you know a lot of FM stations here. We got a lot of sports sports radio guys. We're all we're all we're all a bunch of sweaties. I mean, there's, well, there's a possible there's a possible recipe for a little bit of disaster going on around here well, with, I, with these elements. I've noticed that. Uh, I'm not trying to throw anybody in the bus. But I've noticed the the couple of times I've been here now so far, the uh, Hawk and Crowder afternoon show suddenly is having post-show meetings. Like before it was like the show ends and everybody just leaves, right? And they go on with their evenings. But the Hawk and Crowder show now, suddenly they're having like daily post-show meetings downstairs at the food court slash bar. So I don't know if that's become a is going to become a thing. If that's just like, hey, we're in the new building, you know, we want to enjoy it. But uh, – like, to your point, Dan, I think people are, are taking advantage of it already. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, listen, one one day, you know, let's just say a, a Renshaw could happen. Whoa, we don't we don't want that to happen. Maybe not to that degree, but <laughs> oh, that's quite a. That's reference. one of the sad things I missed. I, we did. That's one of the sad things, though. When we did switch over to this new system, we did lose the cat sound. Oh, we lost the. I'm pretty sure we lost the cat sound. How do we do that? Nobody saved it. 
I think that they just started. I think that they just purged the system, and nobody thought any 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 anything. Else. Oh man, that's classic. I remember. I heard. Um, I don't know. Sometime in the last six months or so, I heard Hawk and Crowder play that uh, that audio. I remember because you know we were all working there. At I the stand. Time. I stand corrected. John Renshaw sees his cat is in the system. It is okay. I thought we lost Good. it. I, we we don't want to lose that. That that is for the all time archives. We want to make sure. That's around. Hey, I want to uh, read some text coming in here. Five sixty twenty two. Kendall Toyota West Kendall Toyota text line is how you join us. Five sixty twenty two. Um, okay, so the first text of this program, I, I'm going to read it, and I'm sure that there's going to be a bunch of folks who either like or dislike this. Somebody says, "UM, as in University of Miami, has too many entitled millennials who will never live up to the success of the original pioneers who had to fight every day for a better life." Okay. I mean, I will say this. Uh, you know, Manny Diaz was on the ESPN campus yesterday doing the quote-unquote car wash and going on all the different shows, and I heard him interviewed a couple of different times, and he repeatedly has brought this up, whether it be at ESPN or at ACC Media Days last week. But he's been talking about looking at the past success of the program, the great players who have come through Coral Gables, and it's not about – you know, the fact that they all are celebrated, right? Because we all know the end result, the final product, what they were able to accomplish both in college and in the National Football League. But he's, say, he's talking about what it took to get to the point that they were finished products. And that's something that oftentimes gets glossed over, right? Like it does feel like to the point of the texture, and I don't know if this is where the, the texture was going, but it does feel like, especially I'll bring this up with the quarterback position because I can't speak for every other spot. Like, I, I, you love the linebackers coming back for the University of Miami. You, know, you like a lot of elements of that defense because that's been what they've hung their hat on the last few years. And last year the offense was abysmal for a variety of reasons, partially play calling from Mark Richt. But you look at that quarterback spot, and you look at Nikosi Perry and Jaron Williams. Both of those players, you could chalk it up to them being young, immature, and they're going to learn for it, learn from it, or – you could just say that, hey, they are those the millennials. They just don't get it, and they don't think that they have to work hard to get what they where they want to go, right? They, they just aren't the impression that because of the quarterback of the University of Miami that things are going to get handed to them, they'll eventually be in the NFL, and that just that's the way things work without actually putting in the hard work and having the discipline to hit, hit the playbook and, and study up and watch film and – Organize wide receiver workouts so you can throw the ball during the offseason when the coaches aren't allowed to have contact, right? Like all those little things that make you a great player that the great players of the past that we talk about in such hollow terms did, but it wasn't publicized, right? Like there was no attention. Like, you know, in these years past where the Miami Hurricanes had all these great teams, it's like there wasn't the social media access where they're posting all the stuff they're doing on Instagram or Twitter or whatever you would use Snapchat, I guess, for these younger people, right? Like there, there wasn't this mentality of, oh, watch what I'm doing at all times. It was just, hey, we got to go to work. That's how the guys before us did it. That's how the guys before them did it, and it's paid off for them. So to the Texas point, uh, you know, I, I think for the quarterback position, I had, that's one of my big questions. Like, will Nikosi Perry and Jaron Williams specifically, since they had their incidents last year, both suspended during uh, the season, it's like, will they learn from it? Or will they just be that? Is that who they're going to be, de be and that's how they'll be defined? I hope they learn from it. And I, I don't lump Tate Martell into it only because he didn't have an incident last year. He wasn't here last year. With Tate Martell, I think it's going to be more about can you improve upon the inconsistency we saw during the spring. But for those two specifically, and listen, I'm not saying you can get away with being a knucklehead at all the other positions. That's not what I'm saying. You still have to put in the work for all those different spots. And Manny Diaz is talking about all of those players at every position doing what the greats did in terms of the work, in terms of the repetition, in terms of taking things seriously, acting like this is your job. Yeah, you're at school, you're a student athlete, but this is your job, and you want to try to better yourself to get to the next level. Take that type of approach and that mentality. Not taking that away from all the other positions. But we all know, whether it's in the NFL, college, even in high school, the quarterback is held to a higher standard. The quarterback can't have a game or two where they're kind of like, yeah, you know what, 
I decided not to prepare as much or, you know, maybe an off-season workout. I decided, you know, I'll just blow it off. Like some of the other positions get away with it because you don't have to be a leader. The quarterback, regardless of whether it's a spot where it's innate for them to be a leader or not, like that's what they need to be. The position requires it. And you can't have slip-ups. You can't. Like people wonder why Malik Rozier played so much last year. It's because he didn't slip up. He wasn't as talented, but he took care of his business off the field. So in that regard, uh, when you bring up that text, uh, that, that's that's the way I look at that dynamic. Um, we got a bunch more text here about the, the Dolphins, and now we got some coming in on the uh, on the Canes. Um, one of our oh, this is our same texture. It seems like every time I'm on, they text in and says, "You rock." Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, our friend Rick and Davey says, Greg, I hope DirecTV and CBS local channel resolve their contract negotiations before football season begins. Last night I missed my favorite summer show because local channels 4 and 33 were discontinued and disconnected. It sucks from Rick and Davey. Yeah, what's going – like, uh, Danny, I'm not going to ask you to speak on this because uh, <laughs> I would imagine it's uh, kind of a, above your pay grade. But uh, I'm a little annoyed as well with this uh, whole AT&T, DirecTV, CBS dispute that's going on. It is slightly above my pay grade. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not privy to those meetings over there, but I, it's definitely a concern for everybody working over there. And I can promise you, you know, not, not to basically give the company line, but we are definitely working very hard to resolve that issue. And it, and it affects everybody. It affects my dad. My dad wanted to watch golf this weekend. You know, no, no can do, you know, so... You know, I mean, I, I'm not I, uh, gonna tell anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody to you know get rid of any any service or anything like that. That's again beyond my pay grade. Yes, but I can promise we are we are we are working very hard to correct this. Well, it's, yeah, it's annoying because, and I, I appreciate you saying that, but it's one of these situations where, like, you know, the Jason Taylor news pops up last night. Uh, Barry Jackson reported it, and then today the Dolphins announced it. It's like, oh, well, that would be great to hear Jason Taylor in the Dolphins preseason television broadcast booth. But uh, right now, CBS isn't coming in for me, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I, I was going to watch 60 Minutes on Sunday, and then, yeah, next thing I know. Uh, yeah, it's not working. So, Rick and Davey, I feel your pain on that one. Uh, okay, so I brought up, like, some cringeworthy moments from Hard Knocks when the Dolphins were featured. One of our texters says, cringeworthy moment for Philbin was when he called timeout against the Packers, and the other is what you just said. He never looked anyone in the eye. He was a coward, and that persona flowed into this team. That's from Dom V. I'm with you. And that timeout against the Packers, um, there was that. And then, you know, the, the queasy comment from him when he was talking about, like, he, he didn't want to basically put the, the, the ball in his quarterback's hands at the end of the game and he was getting queasy and all this other stuff. It's like, dude, don't, don't admit that to everybody. We appreciate you being honest, but seriously. Uh, Dom V also says, people can be mad that Saban left us at the altar, but he was the best coach since Shula. He just picked the wrong guy, Culpepper. If he picks Breeze, he's still the coach. I disagree with that statement. Uh, I don't know if that's entirely true. I, I still feel that now if, if they got Drew Breeze, that certainly the chances of the Dolphins having success certainly would have gone up. I, I don't know, though, if they would have had the right offensive coordinator to maximize that situation. The other thing about Saban that I would say is that it became pretty apparent that he did not relate well to professional athletes. Yeah. So that, I mean that that's the big thing that even Breeze or not, yeah, quarterback can fix a lot of the issues, but if Nick Saban is treating these professional athletes or, you know, a lot of them making more money than he is, like a bunch of college kids, like that that's not going to fly over the course of time. Like that that message and you know him kind of railing on you every day that that's going to get uh, tiring pretty quickly and, and it's going to wear thin on folks now you know you talk to Jason Taylor he loved playing for Nick Saban and some guys really liked it but there were a lot of guys that couldn't stand him so you know I, I understand what Dom V's saying and the quarterback makes a huge difference but to me what has been proven is that Nick Saban is perfect perfect for the college game he just is um, all right, we're getting a bunch of other texts that are rolling in here. Let's take a quick time out. we come back, we'll read some more of those 560-22, 560-22. Plus, I will read uh, some of these predictions for the Dolphins' record for the upcoming season. Stay tuned here on 560 WQAM. Radio.com. Radio. 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 Radio.com.
We're back here on 560 WQAM. Greg Likens here with you on this Wednesday night. Danny G, the sports bomber on the other side of the glass. Hope everybody is doing well out there. We get a bunch of texts rolling in here, which we always appreciate. 560-22. 560-22 is how you reach us on the Kendall Toyota, West Kendall Toyota text line. Uh, somebody says, do you guys see a tsunami coming out of your window? Please let us know. We will. If we see some crazy weather, well, we'll pass you know, it along. Just to let you guys know, um, when there's a hurricane coming around, we, there is a hurricane crew for each station that has to be here. So it's not exactly out of the realm of possibility that we will be looking at hurricane conditions through these double-pane glasses at some point in our lives, Greg Likens. We are assuming that it's you know hurricane-proof glass, right? We are assuming that, yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, I, they didn't spare expense on the water fountain, so I'm hoping they wouldn't spare expense here. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I think everything is top-notch around here. Have you ever been through a hurricane uh, while, you know, in a like a house or a, a place that has the hurricane-proof glass as opposed to the shutters? No, I have not. Uh, the the closest, I would say, would be at CBS4, but we did put shutters up there. Okay, yeah, I was going to say. But we like, just recently double-paneled the glass there as well, so... That next, that's going to be an experience for us next time around as well. Yeah, because that's the trend now. Is everybody? It's like, well, don't get the shutter, just get the the hurricane proof glass. But I, I'd mind. imagine that'd be terrifying to sit through. Yeah, I think I would. I think I would probably go both on that one, if yeah. possible. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Like, what, whatever precaution you can take, just do that. Like I'm a hardened South Floridian. Like there's a great meme of like Jack Sparrow that he's standing there and he's just like a Floridian in a Cat Five hurricane, you know. And then the snow comes and I'm freezing, you know. But yeah, so I'm, I'm hard into hurricanes, but I'm, I I also respect them. Like, rather well. So, you know, a little double protection. We're not going to kill nobody. No, on, on a number of levels, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the way to go. Um, okay, I want to read a few of these texts before we get to some of the uh, the records for the Dolphins. Uh, our buddy Don V is texting in quite a bit. Uh, he says, I honestly feel like coaching is the most important part of a football team and quarterback is super important, good defense, etc. But if you have a donkey calling the plays on both sides of the ball, you are what you are. That's why last week you and uh, Rashad were downplaying the fact – I think they're going to be better at getting rid of Burke, in my opinion. Adds two games, getting a coach demanding you to pay attention to little things and perfection is a huge difference from snake eyes. Yeah, like, Don V, I, I don't disagree with you there. And he goes on to say, remember, Shula took over a no-name team that was two to three years from expansion. Anything can happen with the right coaching. I don't disagree with you on that. Like, they're going to have better coaching, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I feel confident considering – the, like where Bryant Flores is coming from and Patrick Graham, I think you know he, the two of those guys are on the same page. That's why they hired him. And, you know, Flores couldn't have gotten a better send-off in terms of Dolphins fans watching him just put on a coaching clinic with his Patriots defense shutting down the high-powered Rams in the Super Bowl to get that victory. So they're going to be vastly improved. But I would say this, like – you look at what the Dolphins were defensively last year, they're absolutely abysmal. And, yes, their secondary has a ton of talent. Uh, their linebackers are okay. Their front seven in general, though, there's so many questions. And where the pass rush is going to come from, I have no idea. So that's the only thing. Like the, the secondary could be the strength of the team, but if the pass rush is non-existent, then it's like, you know, Xavier Howard can't cover for 10 minutes back there. So, uh, you know, I, I think th this is the way I look at it, Don V. I look at it that the Dolphins are laying the groundwork for what's going to be a much better product on the field moving forward. And that we may not see those results right away, but we are going to see those results in a couple of years. Uh, Don V says, I'm drunk, so sorry about all the texts. Apology accepted, Don V. <laughs> Maybe he's downstairs at the bar. Hey, let's go. <laughs> Although I think Don V lives in Texas, if I remember correctly. Although he said he told us last night he's going to be coming in town uh, in uh, August. Um, well, why don't you come on down to the uh, come on down to the Citadel Bar? You know, we'll do the show at ten o'clock. After that, you, me, Dom V, let's hook up, man. There have, you go. We'll have a few forces. Game on, right? All right. Uh, another texture says, "What a depressing rogues gallery of past Finns coaches." This doesn't even cover some of the incredibly awful in-game decisions. Agree. They have a positive vibe. Re Flores. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, you know, we can dwell on the past, but I do like what's coming in the future uh, in terms of like the next few years, right? I, I've got to clarify that. I, I'm not all that optimistic about the upcoming season, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that. Another texture says, I've been an optimist and Dolphins apologist for too long. I have zero hope for this regime. Oh, wow, that's the other side. Yikes. Um, another texture says, oh, so 
they, our texture's telling us that Hawk had the Renshaw cat audio as the first soundbite played in the new studio. Yeah, I, I, I found it. So no, I, no, I know, but like, I guess he decided. I, he just made sure. I guess I think Hawk would have been the one then would that have said, "Hey, whatever happens, it's got to save the cat." That, that that sounds like something Hawk would do. I agree. That's like he would prioritize that. But it sounds like he had indoctrinated the studio <laughs> that soundbite, which also sounds like something uh, that he would do. Um, okay, we'll we'll. We'll read more of these texts as the show goes on. 560-22 on the Kendall Toyota, West Kendall Toyota text line, uh, I promise. Uh, but you ready for this? You want to hear some of the record predictions for the Dolphins? So, Nate Davis from USA Today. Uh, I, I'll read uh, a little bit more about each of the AFC East teams in a moment. But uh, he's got the Patriots finishing at 11-5. and The Bills finishing in second place in the division at 8-8. and the Jets at seven and nine, finishing third, and the Dolphins at three and thirteen, finishing in last place in the AFC East. And this is what he says about the Dolphins: a talent-strapped team with a rookie head coach in Brian Flores and a new quarterback. One, whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen, and both will likely get opportunities to start, opens against four straight 2018 playoff squads before hitting the bye. Good chance this campaign is effectively over before it has a chance to get off the ground. Yikes. Now, with that being said, it's hard to disagree too much with them, right? I mean, if we're being honest, and again, I would ask some of the folks out there, because I feel like in years past, it's been easy. I've been caught up in it as well to be maybe overly optimistic about the team. But this is one of those years where it feels like everybody just kind of has to level with each other and be like, yeah, this, this could be tough. But, you know, you open with home games against Baltimore and New England. Then you go to Dallas and home against the Chargers, whether they have Melvin Ingram or, not, or Melvin Gordon, excuse me, or not, uh, time will tell. But that's a tough way to start the season. Like Baltimore, that's going to be a difficult matchup, not knowing what their offense is going to look like with Lamar Jackson. And they're always difficult. The Dolphins just specifically have difficulty <laughs> with the Baltimore Ravens. Patriots, uh, although that's at home, so I guess – Right, I mean, considering what's happened in recent history, Patriots at home, that's like a 50-50 proposition, regardless of who's playing for the Dolphins. Uh, at Dallas and then Chargers, you know, everybody's high on the Chiefs, right, because of Patrick Mahomes and, and all the, the gaudy numbers. But in that division, AFC West, I like the Chargers a lot. Uh, so that, that's going to be a difficult uh, way to start the season. I, I, we'll tell you more about what the uh, Nate Davis says about the rest of the AFC East in a moment. But Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated, SI.com, has the Patriots finishing 12-4, and four, Jets at 9-7, and seven, Bills 6-10, and 10, and then the Dolphins at 3-13. and 13. So that's two 3-13 finishes for the Miami Dolphins, according to a couple of national publications. He says, I tried to find them some more wins and debated giving them a victory against the Patriots to continue the puzzling run of low-octane teams headed by New England assistants upsetting the champions i don't think it's impossible to get miami to five wins this year but the safe play is to view them as a high percentage favorite for the number one pick in 2020 Mm, there you go so that's what a couple of national writers say about the dolphins now just to get an idea of what's going on the rest of the afc east uh, nate davis from usa today says the patriots Their typical September break-in period includes a visit from the Salty Steelers for the Sunday night opener. Should be notable as the Pats adjust to life post-Gronk and amid several defensive changes, including Bill Belichick apparently taking a more hands-on role with the play calls. The December schedule appears inviting with Buffalo-Miami coming to Gillette Stadium in weeks 16 and 17, respectively, but a title defense will be challenging as ever as the reigning champs try to reach the Super Bowl for a fourth straight year a feat only accomplished by the 1990s Bills. I know that we could probably get everybody gets tired of you know plaudits for the Patriots, right? But they could go to their fourth straight Super Bowl this season. That's I mean, just crazy. It really is. When are they going to slow down? Uh Nate Davis from USA Today says this about the Bills. Underrated squad that was tough down the stretch in 2018 while sporting the league's second-ranked defense. Buffalo has a shot to start hot prior to its week six bye, then build further momentum with three consecutive home dates. If sophomore quarterback Josh Allen continues to progress, coach Sean McDermott's charges could return to postseason to the postseason for the second time in three years. 
Then about the New York Jets, Nate Davis from USA Today says, less than ideal drawing a week four bye, particularly for a club trying to mesh so many players and a new coaching staff. Good chance to make hay at midseason, though, as the Jets face seven consecutive teams that miss the playoffs in weeks eight through 14. Quarterback Sam Darnold must make a leap in year two, though his best friend might be a defense run by the ever-aggressive coordinator, Greg Williams. So that's a little outlook on the uh, rest of the division. We come back in the 9 o'clock hour. Maybe I'll read to you what uh, SI.com said about the rest of the division. But one other note uh, that I'll, I'll point out for the New York Jets is that you take a look at what they've done this offseason. And with everybody reporting to training camp, you know, there's a lot of this stuff that is brought back to our attention, reminded of. But the Jets spent $125.3 million in guarantees this year, most in the NFL. I mean, they, they were the flashy team, right? We see that a lot of offseason. The flashy teams get all the big names and all this stuff, and then Adam Gase is responsible for making it all work. So I don't know. Track record with Gase, does he have like just a big breakout first season like we saw with the Dolphins where he surprises everybody and makes it work, they go to the playoffs, and then it goes downhill from there? Or like th- this has a chance, in my opinion, to be bad from the get-go because of this mix of personalities and can they get the most out of Sam Darnold. It's going to be fascinating to see. But, you know, from the Dolphins' perspective, you look at Dolphins, Bills, Jets, assuming Josh Rosen plays a significant amount of games, three of the four quarterbacks in this division from the 2018 draft first round, and then Brady, (laughs) right? A bunch of guys in their early 20s and then the 40-something Brady. What a contrast. Not just between the quarterbacks, but certainly between all of these franchises and their ability or lack thereof uh, to win football games over the last two decades or so. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Um, all right, coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, we're going to read more of your text. 560-22, 560-22 if you want to get involved in the conversation. Plus, I want to talk about more about the Miami Hurricanes as well. They're getting their fall camp started on Friday. Mentioned Manny Diaz was all around the ESPN uh, offices and studio shows uh, throughout yesterday and uh, talk about their prospects as well. H- how do Canes fans feel? And I know it's just a vote, but, you know, uh, Dotto asked me about this last week. He's like, hey, do you, do you think that Canes fans are more sensitive than other fans? And I was like, yeah, I do. And I can say that I'm, I'm unbiased. I didn't go to uh, University of Miami, so, like, I can say that. But uh, I, and I'm not trying to stir things up, but I'm curious what Canes fans feel about how the media voted the results of the ACC standings preseason. Again, preseason doesn't really mean anything, but we'll get into that when we come back. Stay tuned. Big 9 o'clock hour coming up here on QAM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.